0: Hi, this is Charlie Peck with the Thriving Educator Podcast, you all. We have a treat with Brenda Lewis back this year. First of all, welcome, Brenda. I'm so glad you're here. So glad to see you, Charlie.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, well, for our listeners, you might remember last time we talked to Brenda, she was an assistant soup in another district, and we talked about creative ways to get new teachers to fill those gaps that we have. So now, Brenda, tell people where you are and what your, your new role is. Yeah, thanks so much,
1: Charlie. So I am back in Minnesota, which is the state that I'm from, which is so exciting. Had a great experience in North Dakota, but happy to be back in my home state. And I'm in a school district called Fridley Public Schools, which is just outside of Minneapolis. And we are a school system that is um, over 70% students of color and over 70% students who are living in poverty. So it's just um, quite a rewarding experience. And I'm so fortunate to have been selected as the
0: superintendent here. Well, I think you earned that position. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, for sure. And so here's what we need to do. We need to dive into what you did. That was an incredible experience for that district in your last district in North Dakota and what you carried over to Fridley. Sure. Well, this all
1: started way back in um, two years ago in April. And at the time when I was in Grand Forks, I oversaw our special education unit. And so our special ed director came to me with the assistant director and it was mid hiring season. And she said to me, Brenda, we have 30 teacher vacancies and zero applicants. And of all the areas in teaching, special education is very hard to fill, and it was hard to fill pre-pandemic. It was very hard. It is very hard to fill now, Um, and Grand Forks Public Schools was one of most districts in the nation that are having a hard time. So after going through that initial panic, I worked to think about international candidates, And I uh, started with the fortune that I had worked in China as a principal, and I started to leverage those connections from China. And I reached out to teachers who had been there from all different parts of the world and said, hey, are you interested? Grand Forks Public Schools is going to do a sponsorship program um you can come here for three years, we can renew your visa, it's a eventual path to a green card. are you interested? And some were like, ooh Others were like, yeah, tell us more. So that's how it really started. And then um, we went through the process of becoming an H-1B sponsor. And what that means is employers that have shortages and have vetted all domestic candidates and still have shortages. We then work with the Department of Labor and uh, the U.S. uh, Department of Customs and Immigration Services. And we work with them to say, Here's our needs, here's how we've advertised it. And then we are awarded sponsorships. And that's how it began. And um in Grand Forks, we had teachers from have teachers from Nigeria, Ghana, um, uh Philippines, um, and many other places. And I have been able to leverage a lot of um partnerships in the work and also have become very um adept at how to hire, how to recruit, and how to get the right candidates here. It wasn't without a few trips along the way, but it's been um, really a good program. And Fridley Public Schools is one of few districts in Minnesota that has zero vacancies right now. And we're so excited about that. And this has grown tremendously in Minnesota. So multiple districts now are bringing international teachers, uh, some within the area of special education, but we also are branching out into other areas, which is what we did in Grand Forks too. So we had special ed teachers, we had general ed elementary, general education, um, middle and high school, early childhood, we had um, guidance counselors. So it's really exciting to see how this has grown from that to something much bigger. And um, Charlie, we also have an innovative program that's newly developed here in Fridley for paraprofessionals. And then we're also going to be doing a program for custodians.
0: Oh my gosh. So smart. I mean, we need these people to get our education schools like thriving. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So clearly you understand it. And you know that I'm in, you know, we do like improving school mental health, yes. now, let people understand what I think they already know, but the crunch there and why yes. that impacts like mental health, not only for teachers, cause we know that that's mm-hmm. trouble and we know for students, but really our leaders have really struggled sure. trying to retain, but Mostly fill those positions. So that's why we're doing this. So, talk a little bit more about that. So this is the reality
1: in many American schools right now. Principals will arrive to the building, or it often happens, starting at 4 or 5 a.m. where panic sets in, where you will see you have 9, 10, 12 unfilled vacancies. Our uh, teachers are dealing with illness. They're dealing with mental health. They're dealing with burnout, and that Helps us to have attendance problems, unfortunately. And by help, I don't mean that positively. But these are factors. So when setting in, they're trying to find coverage. We have um, a very substantial shortage in substitutes. We just we, along with every other district, are really struggling. So what happens is. Principals went from being able to be in classrooms to help, to assist, to help out students that needed additional supports for behavior, to simply firefighting to try to get bodies in classrooms to staff. There simply were not enough subs to fill these vacancies. Because if you think about 30 vacancies, that's not daily attendance, that is 30 positions that aren't filled and students served on an individualized education plan they're mandated to have those services and they have them for a reason. Mm-hmm. So when you think about those statistics think about what that feels like for our principals every night to be anxious about how are they going to cover so we've got coverage issues going on where the principal is trying to firefight, we don't have our students having the services, and then what happens is we also have to ask teachers to either split classes or um, cover during their prep and planning time, so we're exhausting them on further the exhaustion and the cycle just continued and continued. And that's why it's so important to be fully staffed because when you're not fully staffed, it triggers all sorts of other actions that are not healthy for our teachers. And it's not healthy for our students and families.
0: No, we know that that strain is, is truly there in a lot of places yeah. still. So yeah. what are people doing that haven't adopted what you're doing yet? What, are, what are you seeing and hearing about in the circuit that Like what lengths are people going to and how are they imploding? Because I'm hearing about that a lot too. What's going on there? I
1: mean, you have everything from teachers taking a stand to say, listen, we are not doing every single planning and prep period devoted to subbing because then we're not able to get the planning and prep for our classes. So you then have this conflict between um, districts among teachers who don't feel appreciated. So having that where then some districts out of necessity have to then force this. And then that just creates all this sort of problem with work environment. Other times districts are doing things like putting numerous classes into gyms. That's not an environment of 80 students and one teacher and three paras in a gym. That's not meeting anybody's need. Um, Other things that we're doing is we're fighting each other for subs and that doesn't sound great either, right? And so we're then paying incentives for, um, things like, uh, substitute services for contractors that come in and sub for us through companies. And then we try to beat the other district and pay more than the other district. And we put Mondays and Fridays, we put incentives on there. Um, we do incentives for the day before break, all those kind of things. And so we're, pouring all these resources into something that's not a long-term fix. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I I really um, have found such great success with the international program is this is one prong and it's a long-term fix. It's not just plugging holes. It's not just saying, Oh, we've got this long-term substitute for three weeks. And then what happens? Teachers panic, principals panic. What happens at the end of three weeks? Another piece that we've been able to do with our international um, candidates is have what's called designated building subs. So they come over, we employ them as a, a regular teacher and their job in that building is to sub where needed every single day. And that has really helped too. Other districts have had to resort to having people that have very minimum qualifications in front of our students, and I'm not saying that people can't learn and grow, but I think it's really hard to have educators that don't have the experience put in some, put in front of our students that, first off, need those services and supports, and secondly, need specialization. Uh, we're putting teachers and paraprofessionals in there with no training. And then that causes them to walk off the job because we didn't set them up well. And your problem con- just continues to compound.
0: Yeah. And I know you hear a lot about it, but there is hope. There is hope. Yes. And that's what's exciting. We <laughs> yes. like to focus on solutions, don't we? Brenda? Yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. So let's- yeah, let's talk more about that then. So let's say that you're working with, a, well, you you did. You worked with the new district. You made that transition over. What's the first thing that you did to get started? The first thing I did to
1: get started was our special ed director came to me three times here and said, Brenda, we have these vacancies. And I'm like, Laura, it's July. I'm not sure I want to do the international program my first month of the job. And then she came a week later and she's like, Brenda, we've advertised. They're sitting open. We also have a fifth grade vacancy open. And that the third time she came to me in July, I said, all right. And she said, what's the barrier, Brenda? And I said, I just want to make sure that we do it well and we do it right. And she said, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I have to tell you the lessons learned in Grand Forks in um, bringing the work here. It has just been an amazing launch of the program here. We have been able to staff in ways that Fridley hasn't staffed in years and what I did was I reached out to, I work with a Philippine company called um, Philan Partners, and they work to help us in the Philippines. You have to be an accredited employer. And we have a lot of really highly qualified, highly experienced teachers in the Philippines, among many other countries. And they work with us to get our accreditation. So we got accredited right away, which is wonderful. And then they recruit um, and help us to find teachers. So that's what we were doing because... (laughs) My pipeline of teachers are all up in Grand Forks, right? (laughs) So I don't want to steal from Grand Forks. (laughs) And so that um, we leveraged and every position we have just been able to fill really, really well. So my first step was getting um, the Philippine uh, accreditation, working with our partners there to get us going and then to get the paperwork um, going with our attorney. I'm using the same one that we did in Grand Forks so that we um, have all that ready to go so that our paperwork. Paperwork and approval process is as quick as can be with USCIS and the Department of Labor. And it really has gone so well here.
0: Well, those would be big barriers, right? Yes. Getting that accreditation. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's, so that's great that you're yes. able to push that through. Now I bet a lot of people reach out to you and want your help with this. So, yes. so let's pretend for a second, you can reach those people who are like, Oh my gosh, I've got to do this, but it feels yes. so big. Brenda, it feels big. It what does. do, people do um, like what kind of mindset do they need to have like do they need to think all right it take it'll take this step then this step then this step and this will be your end goal like what do you need them to start thinking about? yeah
1: yeah and you're exactly right charlie i have districts that reach out i've been um speaking at events and you have districts that are like we're ready, let's go. And then there's districts that are like, is it a financial barrier? And we talk through that because it's really not um, in the overall scheme of things. As far as how much a district is paying, it's well worth it. Can you? Uh, sorry, do
0: you mind diving into that? Because I bet there's yeah. a lot of people thinking, wow. Yeah. So go yeah. ahead. Thanks. So what you would look at
1: um, for your fees when it comes to an attorney fee, as well as all of your Department of Labor and United States Citizens Immigration Services fees. We do something called expediting. And what that does is it requires uh, USCIS by law to give us a decision within 15 calendar days. And that way, then you can track it. You don't get stuck in the immigration queue. So we pay for premium servicing for that, which is a little bit more expensive. I would have... Highly recommend to pay the premium servicing price. So for us, for non-Filipino teachers, and I'll talk Filipino in a second, it's between eight and nine thousand. That's not per year. That's um your time per visa. So if you think about it, usually an H1B is awarded for three years. So that's what you would pay for a three-year visa. And then your options after that are to either do a second three-year visa or to do, and it's much more cost-effective when you do a second one because you're not doing all that initial work and then um, it's just a renewal and then the second one option is to pursue an employer-sponsored green card or permanent residency Mm -hmm. and that's what Fridley is going to be doing as well because we don't want our folks here just for six years we want them here as career educators then that cost is around 8000 to $10,000 per uh, teacher. And then if you think through the Filipino accreditation and the process for that, that's right around $2,000 more. So it's not, it's people think of it and you can see the anxiety and we're always, um, you know, dealing with budgets and education. But when you cost out, things like compensatory ed for students that don't receive services, you cost out the cost of your subbing. And I really cost out in my head, what I call the immeasurables, which are much more valuable when it comes to mental health teachers and staff feeling appreciated and valued. That is immeasurable and I'll pay the fee every time just for that.
0: Yeah, well, you provide tremendous relief to the whole system. Yes, exactly. I mean really. And what a yeah. great cultural experience for students, staff. Yeah. Right. Community. Yeah. yeah there's exactly. a lot of benefits right there.
1: Yeah. Okay. And yeah, our ahead. teachers here, are our students here, as I shared at the beginning, um, high percentage of students of color. And this is also another way for us to get staff of color to come into our organization as well.
0: That's great. And I know you're going to share some other information. So first of all, I have a question about Canadians. I I lived in Canada. I know a lot of Canadians want to live in the U.S. Do you reach out to them? And then you can talk about the Filipinos. Grand uh, Forks. Oh, thank
1: you for that reminder. Grand Forks has, um, obviously, um, with uh, being so close to the border, Grand Forks has Canadian um, workers there too. So the process I'll say it depends. And I don't like that response, but it depends on various things, but um, it's typically quicker to bring a Canadian, which is great too. And it's just nice um, to have, I uh, like representation from as many countries as we can possibly get. Also the credentialing process um, for the Philippines, for Canadians, it is a little bit easier and smoother than what we've had, um, for, uh, folks that graduate from West African universities. We've had plenty of West Africans that we've sponsored through the H1B process and you can absolutely do it. It's just a little more complex when it comes to, um, transcripts and licensing and all those pieces.
0: Okay. And then you were talking specifically about the Philippines too. What yes. About that, that organization? So
1: we have found, um, it was actually funny because, one of the things that happened in Fridley when I was named as superintendent, all of a sudden, their applicant pools went from zero to stuffed with all these Philippine candidates, and they didn't know why. And what happens is your name and your district, your employer, is advertised in the Philippines. So people, Philippine teachers were following that, and then they (laughs) started to apply into here. So it was just kind of fun to see how that happened, that all of a sudden Fridley has these applicants. The Philippine teachers that we've had have... um, this is just going to sound crazy, but when we vet our candidates, typically we don't vet anyone with less than nine years of experience with less than a master's in special education. Most have PhDs. That's the level. So we went from the scarcity mindset yes. where we would have to get people that would come and we would like, big them. They weren't being set up well for success. Please consider getting your license. We would have them on alternate licenses just out of absolute desperation to now. Sorry, if you don't have nine years of experience, we're not even going to vet you. Like that's crazy. It is. It's, and it's working. it's working. It's working. And I keep saying to our staff and to other superintendents and districts I work with, I say, be choosy. We are back to that mindset where we can be choosing. people look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, no, once you start seeing the candidates and then when we do the interviews and all of that, people are just blown away because- We do have some assumptions. I think about international candidates, but once our candidates are in those interview processes and our teams are seeing that, they're like, oh my gosh. And then once they're here, it's like, oh my goodness, there are some adjustment pieces, but just the expertise that they bring, the teamwork, all of that, their willingness to learn has just also enriched our system. And it it's just fun to see and rewarding to see how
0: our staff wrap our international teams in support. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So I'm glad you mentioned it because it, it is a part of it yeah. is a consideration. It's a consideration that yeah. you're saying they're pretty yeah. welcoming. So we actually um, do that really well.
1: And I will tell you what's required by the U S government is that the employer pays the visa fees, nothing else. So, You don't have to do any other supports, but we really want our teachers to feel welcome here. So what we do is we do airport pickup. We find them an apartment. We don't pay for that, but we find the apartment so that they don't end up in a situation that's like a predatory landlord. Um, We then work with them to sign their lease. And then we actually provision their apartment before they come because the landlord gives us the key. And, um, we go in and they walk in after their 36 hour journey. Um, and all they have with them is two checked bags and a carry on, right. And they walk in and they have a made bed, they have food in the fridge, they have shower gel, they have shower curtains, they have dressers, they have beds. If we can't find a furnished apartment, we furnish it for them. So that's literally the love that we show because we really want them. And then our staff goes above and beyond. Our teachers union actually organizes all of the donations. People come and they wrap them in support with gift cards to Target or here in Minnesota, especially North Dakota, they bring them to Target or Walmart and they help them with winter clothes. They're driving them places. They're helping them with grocery shopping. We get them onboarded right away with social security number, bank account, all of that. And it sounds a little bit crazy, but if they arrive at like 5 p.m. on a Wednesday night, they're onboarded with HR on Thursday. That's the day they start getting paid. They meet their principal. They see their classroom. And on Friday, they're teaching. And what we do is we do a model where we have coaches that come into the classrooms and support and um, they help with observations and so forth but our teachers go right in and they start teaching and they get onboarded right away and it's worked really well. And we call it pathway to independence. So we wrap them with support and we give them the tools. Here's how you order an Uber. Here's how you do the bus line. Here's how to do grocery shopping. Or by the way, you can use Instacart. You can use Target delivery. And we just help them with all of that. And then they're onboarded to independence in like a week.
0: Oh my gosh. I mean, talk about a truly thriving school, whole community experience. Mm -hmm. I mean- I, I, my mind is just reeling with all these different opportunities for every single person involved. Yes. And I'm wondering too, can you do this? Can you onboard and start this process mid-year? Or do you have to wait at
1: the start of the year? Nope, Charlie, well, with me coming to Fridley in July, our first arrivals got here in um, November. So we are doing it all year here. And a lot of districts say like, we'll do it next year. We'll do it next year. And next year is fine, but why not start now? Your vacancies are now. Get started. <laughs> yes. And so um, we will actually, can in Grand Forks, Um, we continue to have staff. All last year coming, and I think our last arrival was in April. Oh so gosh. we just do that um, throughout the school year, and it's no longer this panic about vacancies. If we need an additional teacher, or we have a a resignation or a mid year retirement, we're able to fill that. We do um, also. Then, of course, it takes you know about. 12 weeks or so to get your candidate from the moment that they apply to the moment you pick them up from the airport, 12-ish weeks. Um, But what we have now with our designated subs that are here is then they can take that 12 weeks and they can do that time in that classroom, or Mm. we put them in the classroom and then we backfill their designated sub. So that's what we're
0: able to do is to do that piece. That is so smart. Yeah. I know <laughs> it, really it, helps it, our it feels, well, it feels big, but yeah. it's doable. You've done it. It's Can totally you? doable. Yeah. And I love that because I know you have great resources and I know you're willing for people to reach out to you, yes. you know before, right? Okay. We'll get to yes, that. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you tell people that are listening, who are thinking about doing this, please don't just think about this, do this. Uh, right. What did you notice once these people these people, these incredible additions to your, your education system, once they start rolling in and providing that relief, what did you notice about everybody else?
1: I'm going to do a visual. This is what I noticed. Shoulders coming down. I will say people are surprised because even though I talk about, you know, they have nine years of experience in these pieces. Once our international teachers are here, people are like, my goodness, like it just helps you to move with your assumptions of what you think maybe they aren't um, good with behavior, maybe that language will be a barrier, maybe the accent, all those kind of things. And it's really all those things work out. And our teams, you can just feel it in buildings. I had a teacher literally say to me, She said, I finally have hope again. And when you hear that, and when you actually see, like, for example, Charlie, we took 30 people to the AVID conference in San Diego in November, what district can stand up that many subs and take people at this time post pandemic to a conference and we did it, we did it. So our teachers are able to get professional learning and it's not as much of this panic of, if I'm sick, all of my colleagues are going to pay for it. Does that make yeah. sense? Uh,
0: yeah. It sure does. And it's a terrible feeling, especially when yes. you're super close with everybody. Yes, but absolutely. You- okay.
1: Yeah. And it just helps with that. I call it the Sunday night kind of talk um, where it just has helped. And it's helped our principals too, because, you know, I just got a text on New Year's Day and a principal said to me, thank you for bringing these lovely humans to us. And it's just like, you can see literally physically people from when I visit buildings of, you know, we're nine short staff to, oh, let's sit down. Do you want to walk around? Do you want to visit some classrooms? And I'm like, great. (laughs) Like we've gone from crisis out of control with no end in sight to, we got this, we got this. And this year in Fridley, the staff has been extremely graceful to me in many ways, including understanding that, yep, we are having our international teachers are arriving late because we started the process late. But Charlie, unless we have an August opening or after next year, our international teachers will be here the same as if they were a domestic teacher and that's really exciting too and then one other little thing i'll say is we've started a paraprofessional program through a training program and now we get to have our uh special education para positions filled and that gives our staff this whole piece too because Our students are getting the services that they need and are entitled to through behavior supports, academic supports, and that gives our teachers
0: more supports in the classroom so you can feel it in morale. Wow. And the legal stress and strain is really... 100%. Yeah.
1: And our families are like, oh, yay, we have staffing.
0: Yeah. So there's the systemic stuff and then there's the real personal exactly kind of stuff there that the families are getting the support they need for their kids exactly. and, and we're all helping to relieve each other that's that's 100% important. yes absolutely wow. Okay, Brenda. You know we could talk longer about this. Um, I know absolutely <laughs> honor your time here. Could you please tell people where they can go to reach out to you or how they yeah, can do that? Absolutely.
1: If um, folks just want to go to the Fridley Public Schools website, I'm right there, Brenda Lewis, Superintendent. Email me, and I will get back to you. Just as um, just in a very quick uh, time frame, I really want to help any district that is thinking about doing this. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. Um, really strong program in North. Dakota, obviously strong program now here in Minnesota. So I'm happy to help anyone. And please, 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 please. If you think, Oh, this sounds great, but we can't do it. Just email me and you can, you can do it.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you know, I'm here to support you too. So please, uh, anything that I can do, I, I will be a huge spreader of this message for everybody. Cause it's great. Sounds great.
1: Thank you so much for hosting me, Charlie.
0: Thank you so much, Brenda.